Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy, happy November 1st, my friends. I'm really excited about what this month holds for a lot of reasons. It's Thanksgiving. It's fall. There's a lot of birthdays in my house. So November is always a fun month that we look forward to. Lots of fun things going on this month. In fact, tonight, my husband and I are going to see John Mayer. I'm so excited. We continue to have Texas football games. If we continue to have high school football games this month, you know things are going really well. I'm also super excited about a trip that I'm taking some happy hour listeners on actually to the border. San Diego, we're going to San Diego and we'll visit um, some shelters and we'll get to see what's happening on the ground. I'm going with Women of Welcome, who you know I love and adore. So November's going to be full of a lot of great things. Today, I'm having a conversation with Brandy Wilson. Uh, Brandy just released a book this fall called Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends. In fact, it came out this summer. I'll be honest with you, when I got the pitch for this book and the book came through the mail, I held on to it for reasons I don't know. Maybe I thought, maybe I'll have a friend that needs this, or maybe this is a conversation we want to visit for a series one time on the happy hour. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to read this book. And I thought I would just skim through it. I read every single word of this book, and I haven't walked through a marriage that's ended, and I devoured this book. I think this is a great book for all of us to read, whether you've walked through the marriage that you thought was going to be yours forever and it ending, or you're walking alongside friends that are doing that. Brandy has a lot of great perspective on healing from heartbreak in this book. Her story is that in 2016, her husband, who was a pastor, walked away from their church and their family. And as her marriage dissolved, she lost her church community, her dreams of the future, and a lot of her identity. She had three boys, and she began a journey marked by deep grief and suffering, but also hope, freedom, boldness, and peace. And Brandy and I talk about that today on the show. Her book, Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends, came out this summer. So make sure you pick it up if you think that this book is of interest to you, which I think that it is. Okay, November also brings us a new Bible verse for this month. I've been talking about Dwell differently with you guys, and I'm a big fan of what they are doing at Dwell. In fact, they want to make memorizing God's Word easy for all of us, all right? So they're basically telling us that we can easily memorize one Bible verse every month together. And so you become a member, and then they send you a kit to help you memorize Scripture. And the verse this month is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, from Matthew 6, 21. So if you go to dwelldifferently.com, if you use the code Jamie, you're going to get your first month free. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E. So it's a subscription plan. They're going to send you this amazing kit that has things to put on your keychain so you can quiz yourself, tattoos that you can put on, and a really, really cute like, I don't know, three by five card that I keep them around my desk throughout the month and to help you memorize the scripture. So this month is for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also Matthew 6, 21. Great way to memorize scripture with your whole entire family. 
Friends, I hope that this November is going to bring some fires in the fireplace and some fun nights. But I also hope that you're finding hope and peace uh, in the midst of whatever life has brought you. And no matter where you are in your life, I think you're going to feel encouraged by the conversation that Brandy and I have. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Brandy Wilson. Brandy Wilson, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I um, have listed the happy hour for like on and off for years. So I can't believe I'm actually on. Well, thank you. You released a book back in July called Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends. And I read the entire book and my marriage hasn't ended. (laughs) And I'm like, I read the whole book. (laughs) I read it on planes this week. And um Really excited to chat with you because here's what I know you can speak to probably better than me is how many women find themselves in um, yeah. a situation that they didn't ask for or desire or ever dream of and then don't know where to go, especially within the church. So we're going to dive into that. But first, introduce yourself and tell us what you do and your family and all the things. Yeah, my name is Brandy Wilson. I live in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville with my three sons. Um, who are 22, 19, and 17. So I have two in college this fall, a freshman and senior, and then I have a junior son, and all three of them play football. So in the fall, my weekends are crazy. Um, with Friday night, my my youngest son is the quarterback, which oh, Brandy. is just like a whole new level of stress. Yeah, that it is. Has to endure. Uh-huh. Um, and then my other two both play the um, defensive back position at their universities. So I have been straddling football weekends for the past like 13 weekends since early August. Um, and I, you know, I like to say I'm classy until kickoff. I love following my boys everywhere and I'm super involved in all of that and even have a cowbell on Friday night. I of course um, you do. <laughs> for um, work when I'm not at football games with my Monday through Friday, I work for a nonprofit called Leading and Loving It, which exists to empower female leaders to love their life and ministry. Um, and I do that. I work as a coach um, with my own little side business, um, just coaching women who are walking through transition, grief, divorce. Um, also an author, um, which is probably the newest job I'm taking on and have really enjoyed that. It's a really healthy way for me to be able to, you know, take my suffering and use it as a survival guide for others. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for that. Okay. So let's speaking of suffering as a survival guide, let's go back and tell us this story is finding hope and healing after your marriage ends. So we can Mm -hmm. all assume here that your marriage did end at one point. Tell us as much as you want to tell us about that story and part of your life to set up, uh, where this book came from. Yeah. So I married my college sweetheart straight out of college back in 1996, which feels way too long ago. Um, And we started churches. We both felt a call to ministry. Um, I was also working as an elementary school teacher, but we started a church in Kentucky um, and we were there for five years and then moved to Nashville and started Cross Point Church and served at Cross Point for 14 years. And I loved my life in ministry. I loved being a pastor's wife, um, interacting with the staff. I was at staff meetings on Tuesday. I had those people in my home. That was like my social network, um, not just the people we worked with, the people we did life with, had babies with, um, you know, put our kids in school together, that kind of stuff. So back in um, 2016, my husband at the time just suddenly resigned in September of 2016. And I think 
Jamie, we both know that when your life publicly falls apart, it's been falling apart behind the scenes for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so things were not going well, but things still um, happened at a much quicker pace than I ever expected them and turned out in a way I never expected mm-hmm. them to turn out. So he resigned in September of 2016. Um, we had been living separated at that point for uh, six or seven months. Um and he ended up leaving the church and um, that ministry and our marriage and the family unit that we had created. Um, and the divorce was final in March of 2017. So I found myself. That was quick, Brandy. It was quick. I mean, but um, I, I can say that from this side, because you even just alluded to there was nothing happens fast. Stuff didn't happen before, but it does yes. still feel like September to March that felt had to have felt like a whiplash yep. a little bit. Yep. Yeah, totally. I mean, you never, I, I would say most of the women I talked to, they never foresee themselves mm-hmm. going through a divorce. Yeah. You know, you don't walk down the aisle thinking like, oh, this is going to be yeah. a good first run mm-hmm. of um, a married life and we'll make it 18 years. And then I get to start all over when yeah. I should be starting to actually, you know, dial back a little bit and empty nesting it. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone foresees, you know, holding their baby in the hospital and thinking, I can't wait to spend even numbered Christmases Mm. with you. That is tough to walk through. Mm -hmm. So no, I never, ever believed um, my marriage would end in divorce. I both said my grandparents are happily married until their deaths. My parents are happily married 55 years. Uh, I was the girl who thought I would be, you know, in the rocking chair on the front porch beside my husband of you know, 50 years mm-hmm. watching the grandkids play in the yeah. front yard. Um, and that's not the way life turned out. So I truly at 42 just had to start all over mm. um, and figure out, you know, what do I want my life to look like? And I, I can say the best part of when your life falls apart is you get to put the pieces of your life back together the way that you choose. Um, so I kind of just took that mantra and started thinking, what do I want life to look like for me? I love it. You and even voice. You, and your voice. So you talk a lot in here about uh, the four of y'all. And even uh, towards the end of the book, you're like, I'm going to buy a house. Here's what I want the house. So like, you're, like, you're saying all these things. And yes. my favorite thing, you're like, I want candles that I actually burn. Like you just like, yeah. you're able to make this whole <laughs> list of things you wanted. You know, one of the things that you talk in this book, and a- again, this book is about that, that journey after divorce for sure. Yes. But I can also say a lot of the stuff that you talk about in this book about like dealing with grief and, and walking through grief with the people that you love and, and community, like it makes me a little teary eyed because I'm like, man, I felt that in my own life and I haven't walked this particular yeah. road that you've walked. And so although this is a phenomenal book for your friends or yourself, whoever's listening, who have journeyed through a divorce, I don't think this book is just that. And I, and I just want to commend you on doing yeah. that because it was so good. You, you talk about grief in here and there is for sure a grief at the end of a marriage. Um, yeah. Um, I could probably guess it's probably the biggest grief you've maybe walked through um, in your yes, 47 for sure. years of life, 42 years. Yeah. Uh, you say this, you say grief isn't negative. Grief is natural. Grief is necessary. You must allow yourself to feel all the emotions it encompasses. And my question for you is in those early days, weeks, months, it's one thing to say, okay, you got to let yourself feel the grief. You're also parenting three children. How, I mean, and you're trying to like probably insulate and protect and all the things. How did you allow yourself to go through the proper ways of grieving and at the same time be a mom? Or did they not have to separate? You tell me. 
Oh, no, I think they do have to separate. I think, you know, first off, I will say I did a ton of therapy. I did a ton of therapy work with a lady who I trust and walked every bit of that story with me um, on a very regular basis. I also did a therapy intensive at onsite and spent seven days there just working through some of the emotions. I think, um, you know, I think there are a couple of things going on, Jamie. I think I want to our kids are watching how we respond to things. And I wanted my kids to not learn to avoid grief, Mm -hmm. but figure out how to manage grief. Mm. And the best way for them to do that is to watch how I was managing my grief. And yes, it was so hard. There were so many days I got them up, took them to school and then came back home, parked in the garage, put the door down, went upstairs so that no one would think I was home. And I would cry Mm -hmm. and I would journal and I would pray. And, um, maybe talk to a friend on the phone, but I, I was just so heartbroken. Mm-hmm. It, it was that level of heartbroken where you can legitimately feel your chest mm-hmm. aching um, because things have just, things were just feeling very hopeless yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had more questions than answers. It was hard to, you know, see people because they'd ask questions and I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to live. I didn't know mm. what job I was going to work. I didn't know. There was a lot of things I didn't know. Um, so yeah, managing that grief was really difficult. Um, it, I will say one of the things that I feel like it gave me was when we talk about parenting these days, um, attachment is often used Mm -hmm. to describe parenting. And I think I can look back now and realize that walking through that grief with God gave me a secure attachment in my relationship with him. Mm. Um, and I hadn't had a secure attachment in my marriage. Um, and I, and I had known that I, mm-hmm. you know, had known that there was not an emotional connection there. The emotional connection was very few and far between. I think because I was married to someone who had a super public job, um, and worked as a pastor and I was being told from every area how great he was, mm-hmm. you know, from the people who work for him to the people who sit in the seats and, um, you know, he, his message saved our marriage. It gave me the courage to start a business. Mm-hmm. It helped us, you know, bring our, our wayward son back to yeah. Christ. So for a long time, I think I believed like, oh, I'm the weakest link. Mm. So if everybody else says he's great and what I'm experiencing at home is very different than I guess must be I'm me. the reason mm-hmm. it must be me. So I think a lot of my own healing and learning to just know who I was, my identity, what mattered to me. Um, was also part of that grief that I'd lost myself in the midst of thinking I was doing a really great job in serving my husband in the church. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. 
Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You know, I have heard that sentiment a lot from women whose marriage might fall apart or something happened in this stage of our life, those 40, 40, that decade yeah. of almost kind of like, who am I and what do I do? And and your story is similar in a lot of ways to other women, but also there's, you yeah. touched on it just for a second. There was also this dynamic of, of public publicness to your yes. story. Yes. Like we, you, we yeah. and I've never met, we have pretty mutual friends, but I read about your divorce online, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so this yeah. is your life that you're living. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a, right. a weird way. I'm just saying it was written about, uh, not even in trashy like things by like, Christian, like right. reputable sources. Yes. Yeah, this was not uh, yes. TMZ. <laughs> and so no, you're having to walk through that as well. And, and you know, you're also having to come to terms with like, but it hasn't been good at home. How did you yeah. figure out a way and how did you figure out a way to wrestle with your grief while also acknowledging the hurt that had been done? If, if that makes sense. And and yeah. and I don't mean wrestle with it publicly because you didn't owe anyone anything publicly, but yet you still have this public image per se. I just think this has got to be just the yes. hardest place. Um, and you have a chapter in here called I Google Dad, you know, and yeah. so you're yes. dealing with this as well. So how did you kind of reconcile this grief and then also trying to acknowledge I was hurt? Like, this, yeah. how did you deal with that? Well, I, I really tried to just give myself time. Um, and I went off all social media. Um, I took a break from reading anything. Usually when something was, an article was released on a, you know, a, a site or something like that, someone called me to say, have you seen? And I hadn't, um, nor did I, you know. Was that helpful or to. hurtful? Well, you know, it depends. There are things I needed to be aware of, mm. um, you know, just as far as details of the divorce and that kind of stuff. I had somebody just last week say, hey, have you seen? And I said, I haven't. And I don't want to. And and they said, because they followed with, oh, I'll find it and send it to you. I'm like, no, no. I'm good. No, no. I'm good. I don't want to see it. <laughs> That's very kind. Yeah. But no, no. Yeah. I, I'm, I, don't I have want boundaries. To see boundaries. Of, I do. I'm healthy. I do. Yep. I Yes, I, um, I have control of what I do and don't see, and I get to choose that. And I choose that very purposefully yeah. to keep my mind in more of a, a positive mm -hmm. and a healthy spot. Yeah. But yeah, the public piece of that was very difficult to maneuver through. Um, and I remember, you know, at times going to the grocery store and wearing a hoodie and putting the hoodie up because I didn't want anyone to wow. speak to me because I just had so much hurt. Mm -hmm. I knew, um, the first time he resigned on a Sunday and that Thursday night, my oldest son was in eighth grade and there was a, you know, big, like mm. kind of like a middle school homecoming. Mm -hmm. And, and I had to, I had to go to it. My other kids wanted to go and I did not want yeah. to be there. And, you know, at this point, Jamie, I had, you know, wasted down to, I'd lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. I didn't look healthy. Um, and I remember one of just, trying to function. And one of the elders wives tapped me on the shoulder and she was being super kind mm -hmm. and loving. And when I turned around and saw her, I just said like, I can't talk about it. I can't do this here. I can't. And just hightailed it to like mm -hmm. the end of the field where I could 
lean up against yeah. the fence and feel safe. Yeah. Um, but I did. And, you know, I started dating and it's like every date I went on, it was shocking. People would say, oh, your pastor so-and-so's ex-wife. I used to attend. Mm-hmm. And, and that ha- happened repeatedly. So you're like, I can I, I not get away from this? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't want to say, no, I'm not. I'm brain. Yeah. That's what, you know, <laughs> yeah. but yes, yeah. people start connecting the dots and they just, mm-hmm. you know, put pieces together and words come mm-hmm. out. Um, so it was really hard for me to process that. I think I, it made me very intentional mm-hmm. to make sure that when I chose to speak about my divorce, I spoke out of my scars and not my wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like my kids had already been through so much yeah. that if I was going to acknowledge publicly what I had walked through, I was going to make sure I'd done my work of trying to heal mm-hmm. a lot of that hurt yeah. so that I wasn't spewing bitterness mm-hmm. yeah. and anger yeah. and disappointment yeah. and frustration. All things that I felt, all things that For I sure. processed, all things that still come up yeah. occasionally. Yeah. But I didn't want that to be mm-hmm. the story I was going to tell. Yeah. I wanted the story I was going to tell about how God chose to change me mm-hmm. and work in me when I chose to begin again. It's so good, Brandy. And and it's you can tell when someone's done their work and they're on they're on like the other side of some of that. And they're you're, none of us are complete yeah. and we're all on a journey, all those things. But you can tell so much healing that's been done. There was a particular yeah. part in this book that I um, I felt really anxious when I was reading it, and um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which part <laughs> you talk about? And um, I can't remember how. I, I don't remember the timeline, so you can you can fill in the blanks. But you talk about the first time you had to stand on stage at a conference in Vegas after mm. this had happened, and and you can tell me how long it was and what you were yeah. feeling and the emotions you were going through, and. Look, it almost makes me cry right now because I just felt so sad for you. I just felt so sad. But on the flip side of that, Brandy, again, we never met, but I, I'm crying yeah. over a moment that happened. <laughs> I don't know how long ago this was, but I mm-hmm. also felt so proud. I was like, I am so yeah, dang proud of her because what you wanted to do was I can't ever lead again. Like, how can I lead? Yeah. How can I do this? Yeah. And instead, yeah. probably through therapy and friends and goodness gracious, the work of the Holy Spirit, you continue to lead. And you said, this is not defined me. And so tell me about that story that still moves me to tears. (laughs) Yeah, Jamie, that is, I have goosebumps. The fact that you brought that up, I do. I have goosebumps. I actually added that story into the book pretty late. Mm. Um, And I'm so glad it it was flipping through journals where I had processed what it was like to use my voice for the first time. Mm. So Timing wise, he resigned September of 2016, and this was October of 2016. So this is within. You're still hiding in hoodies at the grocery store. Five or six weeks. Yeah. And I was not supposed to, you know, I host this conference every year with my best friend, Lori Wilhite, um, at her church in um, Nevada Central Church. And I had planned on not going. And there was even a blog post on a not as reputable site called what in the world happened to Brandy Wilson? Because I just disappeared. Um, and, you know, Lori just slowly started talking me back. Like, I know you're, you said you're not going to come. I understand that. Maybe it'd be really good for you to be with my other friend, Lisa Hughes. Maybe it'd be really good for you to be with Lisa and I. Mm-hmm. Like, we won't have anyone to our room at night. We'll keep you backstage. 
And when she got me to agree to that, she'd say, maybe you just host the first session with me. <laughs> She's like, if you give and, a mouse a cookie, oh, that book, remember that book? Exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's so funny. I'm like, if you give Lori a yes, <laughs> yeah. then she runs with it. So by the time she got, you know, done with me, um, I was hosting the entire conference <laughs> and I was addressing the elephant in the room yeah. in our initial hosting spot, which was me. Mm -hmm. I was the elephant in the room. I had been a pastor's wife who helped get this ministry off the ground. Um, And at that point, I didn't know a lot. What was so interesting. Were you guys separated? Sorry. Were you guys? I know you. So so the church resignation and we're getting a divorce that goes hand in hand. Well, this is, yes. Timing wise, I filed for divorce the day before I flew to do that conference. Oh yeah. I think you said So I stood on that stage and my best friend, Lori knew I'd filed for divorce. Yeah. You said Um, that in the book. Lisa knew I'd filed for divorce and my parents knew. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's it. So I, um, we had separated in March doing an in-home separation. He had moved to the basement. He moved out um, August 1st, resigned in September. And this was in October. Mm -hmm. So it was boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. So I stood up there knowing that I was no longer a pastor's wife, Mm. but I also knew I was no longer a wife. Mm. Um, And that was the first time I spoke out and used my voice. Um, And I, that's probably the gift I wish I could give women Mm. who are walking through this is to have a thousand other women just cheering them on. And because I looked out and I saw people weeping. I saw people, you know, touch sometimes when something tender happens, we just put our hands over our heart. Um, and I just told them like, I've lived life bent for a really long time. I'm like the bent woman and it is time for me to stand straight. And I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know what that means, but a title and a role can be taken, but no one can take God's call on my life, but him. Um, and, and that's just something that Lori kept saying to me over and over. And I needed to be reminded by an outside source, um, that God wasn't done with me. So yeah, I wish everyone could have the cheering section that I had that day to be able to tell them like, you're going to make it, you're going to be better than okay. Because it really was a moment, a very pivotal moment in my healing of knowing that I was still someone who God was going to use. It's so good. You said the bent woman and I, um, read that and, um, I'm going to read where you got, where you talk about that. You say in your book, in Luke 13, Jesus heals a crippled woman. The Bible describes her as bent. This is another one we don't know much about. We don't even know her name. And then here's the scripture. This is Luke 13, 10 through 13. It says this, one Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight how she praised God. And you, you, you talk about this. And when you talk about the the conference, you said you had a lot in common with this woman. And I, um, I think that for a lot of women, you say you wish you could give them the the room of a cheering crowd to turn, to spur them on. That's not the reality for a lot of women who are, they're not staying on stages and leading ministries like you and I do. Um, But what is it that a woman in the situation, like flip the script here a little bit or flip sides for a minute and be the friends, be your friends that you talk about, the six pack, the people that gathered around you, the people who showed up. Um, What do we need to know as community when we're surrounding a woman who's walking through this unexpected life change of a divorce? What does that look like? Yeah. Besides people in an audience cheering for you, like what did it look like in your real life? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because one of my goals in writing the book was to be able to show support systems mm-hmm. how to help people going through a divorce. Yep. So, um, I, you know, I think there are a lot of things that can be done. I, the six pack you refer to, I'm, I'll just go there. They were my football moms um, and none of us were really close until my oldest son's sophomore season. And we just kind of all blended together and our kids were friends, but our kids weren't necessarily exclusive mm-hmm. in a you know, click or anything. They all had, were kind of in different groups, but that group of women, so amazing how God just kind of pulled us all together. One thing they did is they always gave me options. I think when we are walking through the tragedy of our marriage falling apart, honestly, any kind of grief process, trauma, um, when people say to us, what do you need? It's another decision. don't have an answer. Yes. Yes, it's too much. Yes. And I'm going to be honest, what I need, you probably can't give me Mm. Um, just because it's some type of, you know, emotional connection or type of whatever. But they taught me how to give options to people who are walking through tough times. So on Fridays, if it was a home game that night in our group text thread, it would be like, hey, where do you want to meet tonight? Do you want to meet? at the tailgate at the game and walk in together? Do you want to meet at Mexican and then all ride together? Do you want to meet in the stands? Mm. And based on how I was feeling, what I could handle that day, I got to tell them what was the best fit for me. What What you needed that day, that Friday night. What I needed that day, which Jamie actually meant I was making a decision and decisions felt really hard when you're as broken as I was, but I was making a decision about what I needed. And that was huge for Mm. me. Um, If it was an away game, it was, do you want to ride with us? Do you want to meet us at the, you know, tailgate at the away game? So they were just super intentional to offer options. Mm -hmm. And I think, man, we can so do that. I have neighbors who just really suddenly lost their mother. Mm. And I've, you know, been able to say, do you want me to bring dinner and leave it on the porch? Do you want me to send you a gift card so you can use dinner or buy dinner whenever you need it? Or do you want me to have you guys over for dinner one night so you're getting out of the house? Um, and when we give those people options, they get to step into what they need. Mm. And that is empowering to them. And it allows their needs to be met. Um, so I think giving options is huge. I think just including that single mom, it is you end up you know, being with kind of all married people. And now I don't know if I fit with married people. Mm. I don't really feel like I fit with single people because I've been married for 20 years. Um, So where do I belong? And when my married friends have continued to include me, I have a set of friends who were on staff with me at Crosspoint and they've gotten to the point where they're like, oh, we got concert tickets. Of course we got you one. And they just like, I'm just an extended member of the family and I go with them. Mm -hmm. So to be included with, you know, Hey, you don't have your kids this Christmas. Do you want to come over and hang with us? Mm. Um, Or do you want to go to Christmas Eve service with us to be able to include them, invite them to church. They don't Mm. feel like they're walking in alone. Um, Allow the single people in your life to know that they're seen and that they have value um, when it comes to being in relationship with you. And then I think to remind them, I will tell you, Um, it's one thing Lori did and she was super intentional about saying like, Hey, tell me where you are spiritually right now. Mm. Uh, and I was part of a church that was thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And one person in my life said, tell me how you are spiritually right now. Um, so the fact that I had to reflect on like, where am I with Mm -hmm. God right now was huge. Um, and if I could have said like, I'm really angry and I don't want to talk to him, she would have been like, okay, yeah. 
great. And she'd ask me in a few more days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just being able to show up and allow people to be honest about where they are mm-hmm. um, and let them know that you're there for them is huge. That's so great. You know, you had a unique position in a way that you were on staff at a church, your husband was a pastor. Um, but a lot of women in our churches are walking through the same sorrow and grief that you have within your marriage uh, falling apart and dissolving. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I don't necessarily know that the church has always handled this so well. Um, I agree. And I think maybe because sometimes it feels like we don't know what to do, the church as like yeah. a whole. Um, what's your encouragement even for churches and leadership? Like, what does it look like for a body of believers to walk alongside a woman who's going through this? We just talked about friends. We yeah. talked about what they did for you. But let's go a little bit deeper. I mean, you said your one friend asked you how you're doing spiritually, but what does it look like for the body of church, to the body of yeah. Christ to show up for that woman? Yeah. I'll just give you a recent example. Um, I hosted my middle son's graduation party in my backyard um, in, in May of this year. And it was the first time he wanted the party in our backyard. It's the first time um, his dad and I have been at, an event like that at one another's home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, you know, almost six and a half years since we got divorced. So um, emotionally, that was a big deal for him, for my other two kids and for me, because mm-hmm. uh, that interaction, it's more small, it's intimate. Uh-huh. And I had talked about it at church. Um, I attend a micro church now. A lot of the people in my neighborhood are part of that. And I talked about it at church and just, you know, said, I'm doing this. It's not easy. I know it's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean it's the easy thing to do. And um, every single one of them showed up that night. Mm. And we had actually already done, we had a lot of boys graduating in my church. So we'd all done these like smaller parties with one another Uh to celebrate our kids with the intention of now you don't have to do our yeah. individual graduation right. parties. Right, because it's a lot, let Every me tell you. Every single one of them, it's <laughs> a lot, it's a lot. Every single one of them showed up that mm. night. And they showed up for me, but they also showed up for my kid. Yeah. Um, and I think, man, when people show up for your kids, that is huge. Yeah. I have a guy in our church, when a car doesn't start, I send him a text and he's usually here within a couple of hours to check on it. That's huge mm-hmm. for me. Um, he has taken it and put a new battery in it and said, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I don't know is my son gets in to drive it later that day. And he's like, did Pastor Chris put gas in my car too? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't full tank of gas. been in your car yeah. and it has a full tank of gas. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not just about showing up for the mom or the dad mm-hmm. who's walking this single parent mm-hmm. journey. It's about showing up for the kids too, mm-hmm. in a way that really makes them feel seen and known yeah. and loved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just acknowledging, I, I think even from stage mm. that divorce is a super real issue, um, is huge. Blended families are a real issue using those words from stage. Um, because we throw out scenarios from stage all the time and so true. it's unfortunate, but when, you know, it's talked about your partner or your spouse, well, us single people, it, we recognize that's not us. So to be able to talk about divorce from stage, um, to be able to, and that's good for kids to hear yeah. as well. Like 
my church recognizes that this happens in people's lives. It's so good. It's, it's such a remembrance of trying to remember everyone in your congregation. You start at the very, very beginning of your book. Let me see what chapter. Oh, it's chapter one, to be continued. And um, yep. something that I <laughs> looked at here, you said something like about um, rejoicing in heartbreak. You yeah. said, this is on page 24, if you want to look at it. It said, but it's heartbreak that will yep. prompt your soul searching and be a catalyst for your closeness to God. God will help you stand mm-hmm. in your pain, not because of your strength, because he is you. And I would like to just hear your honesty about rejoicing and heartbreak. Um, when did you start to feel that? Because it couldn't have been yeah. March, October. When did that start to come for you? No, I will tell you... Um, what I started, the very first step I took with that was actually in September of 2016. And I remember having this moment where nothing around me felt good at all. Nothing felt good. Um, and I said to myself, like, I believe God is still good. Mm. Like nothing in my life feels good, but I believe God is still good. So how can I find that mm-hmm. in my daily life? So I pulled a journal off. It probably was a freebie. I pulled it off the shelf. I took an orange Sharpie and I just wrote focus on the good. And I made myself sit down and do like between three, five or six good things every night before I went to bed. Um, And for me, I mean, I was really grasping to come up with five things that were good. You're like, the um, sun came out today. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And honestly, it was also that reminder of like, I just need to take one day at a time. Yeah, I I can't jump six years ahead and try to figure out how I'm going to pay for two college Mm -hmm. tuitions. I have to focus on today. Yeah. So it was a really great perspective shift for a couple of reasons, because it did make me focus on what are the good Mm -hmm. things, because- they were few and far between, but man, I needed to see them to keep mm-hmm. going. Um, and two, I just need to focus on today. Yeah. Um, and I think in being able to look for God's goodness, mm-hmm. I was able to see small ways and big ways that he loved me mm-hmm. and uh, big ways being the way I ended up in the house that the boys and I currently live in. That's a huge way. Also small ways. I remember um, one night writing down, I got a new hair dryer mm-hmm. and that's not life-changing, yeah. Jamie, but, but I, do I love felt a good this hair inkling dryer. of, yep. I do, it's worth the money, uh-huh. but I did feel this inkling of God saying like, yep, there's going to be new. Mm. Um, and me not knowing what the new would be, yeah. Um, but that, yeah, there's going to be new, Brandy. Keep yeah. going. There's going to be new. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how my rejoicing started. And I think because, you know, life for me went from like thousands of people to me just communicating with about three to four people on a regular basis. Yeah. I really, God was about all I had to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, this <laughs> In is a it. lot of ways. I had a lot of free time. Uh-huh. Um And I just had to turn to him and I'd had, you know, a season in May of that year where I was in a hotel room in Vegas and my ex-husband, I don't know where he was. And just it's, you know, he had told me he never had loved me. He just married me out of, you know, I think it was guilt. Mm -hmm. And um, because being in ministry, it was easier Mm -hmm. if you were a married pastor. And, and then I'm in this hotel room alone. I've just heard this hours earlier and just, all night long saying the name of Jesus Mm. over and over and over and over until I went to sleep. And I didn't have, you know, in that moment, just saying the name of Jesus was praise because I didn't have any other words 
to pray. Mm -hmm. I was so broken Mm -hmm. and hurt and uh, just the bottom of the barrel. Life was so hard Mm -hmm. um, that I felt his presence during those really lonely moments, which allowed me to continue to cling to him in a way that I hadn't before. The way you hadn't had to as well. And you did leave out just now that after your ex-husband told you that you had to go to dinner with a bunch of people and act like everything was okay. I'm like, my best friend, (gasps) my best friend. Yes. She and her husband. And it's just like, I am pretending. Mm -hmm. I I don't. This is all a lie. This is so hard. It's all a lie. Well, I'll tell you this. um, (laughs) That part of where you talk about that um, journal that you got out pretty early in this journey and Mm -hmm. said, I was going to write down, you know, things that were good. It actually really impacted me because I came home from this trip from Nashville just yesterday. And I told you I read the book on this trip. And um, a situation that is personal and doesn't need me to say to the world, but I came home to my husband. I was like, we had this one situation, him and I, we're on the same page, but we're both kind of angry about it, if that makes sense. So Mm, we're not angry at each other. We're both angry at the situation. And I was like, I said to him, I said, maybe we should try every day to come up with one kind thing to say about the situation. <laughs> and he was like, really? And I was like, I don't know, just like maybe it will change our heart, you know, like, but it, I had just read your yes. story about like, okay, yeah. everyone there felt to be nothing good. And obviously I'm not in the same situation. It's not as uh, dire or desperate or lonely, right. but it did make me think it's like, man, they do still, say like yeah. gratitude changes our hearts. And it's true, you know, like, I just wrote recently about like, you know, God said rejoice in today, like rejoice and like doesn't have any kind of asterisks about if your life is like this, then you should rejoice. It literally is just like rejoice in the Lord for today is his. Um, So your little journal entry got me thinking. And so you'll have to hold me to it to see (laughs) if if we're saying nice things at the end of each day about this situation. Um, Brandy, I'm grateful for your work. Um, Better than okay. Finding hope and healing after your marriage ends. And um, if you guys are listening, and this is a part of your story, I can tell you're going to be greatly encouraged by Brandy sharing her story in this book. And if you're like me and this doesn't, this isn't a part of suffering that you walk through. You have plenty others on the list, but this doesn't fall into that list. Um, I enjoyed this book because I feel like I could be a better friend um, to anyone in my community, anyone that I'm leading, having conversations about this. So thank you so much. Brandy, I want to hear, what are you reading these days? I am reading, um, I am rereading a book I love called The Inner Voice of Love by Henry Nowen. Okay. I love that one. I've read it before. I'm rereading it. If you're walking through grief, it's excellent. I'm also reading How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole Lapira. Okay. I follow her on Instagram. She released a book. Um, so I grabbed it. And then let's see, fiction wise, I'm reading um, Three Wishes, I think, by um, Leanne Morty. Is that how you oh, say Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've read some of her I'm stuff. Reading, I think, yeah, I, I don't um, know if I've read that one or not, but I've read some stuff by her. I like her work. Yes, me too. And it's, I'm a Kindle unlimited girl, um, unless I'm on vacation and then I let myself buy a book. And this summer I bought lessons in chemistry. Okay. Is it, um, and it was, it's good. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Good. Yes. It's great. So if anyone's looking for like a good, well, it was a great beach read, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, just a good vacation read. It's great. Okay. I love that so much. Well, Brandy Wilson, thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks for sharing your story with thanks the world. For having me, Jamie. And I'm glad we know each I'm other glad now. We finally got to met. I know we're friends now. We're Does friends. this qualify? Definitely qualifies. <laughs> <laughs>
The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley.